Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Liberty Blues. I'm Sean Osborne. I'm John Phillips, attorney from the Deep Red State. <laughs> and I'm Steve Marin. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, rainwater, uh, the debate he was just in for governor of Indiana, and the Second Amendment. So uh, we'll take a little break here, and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Liberty Blues podcast. If this is your first time listening, just know we are available on most uh, places you can listen to podcasts. Um, If you want to contact us um, on Twitter, it's at Our Liberty Blues. On Facebook, a progressive and a libertarian walk into a bar. And on Gmail, um, let me see, PNLpodcast at gmail.com. Please uh, send us some information. You know, let us know if you like the show, anything you'd like us to talk about. Um, you know, if you hate us, if you love us, it's all good. Um, and please share it with your friends if you, uh, if you please follow us and all that good stuff. Thank you, and back to the show. All right, we're back now. So um, I guess uh, I guess uh, I would start off by saying, uh, Steve, you actually watched, got a chance to watch the debate. So what what did you think about it just overall? Uh, I was actually really pleased with the format and how everybody was well behaved. Um, yeah, that was nice. <laughs> it was. It was nice that they knew exactly how much time they had to talk. And I think for the most part, everybody budgeted their time well. Yeah. I would have liked if they gave him two minutes. One minute seemed a little rush, but I guess it still went an hour and a half. But, yeah, you know, overall, I think it was pretty good. Agreed. And you said you got to read about it, John? Yes, I, I did. I was reading about um, the teacher's pay, and I was, since Steve is a public school teacher, I just want to know uh, how he felt about the candidates. And I, I'm assuming that he's going to uh, come down on the side of more pay for teachers, but I'd like to hear <laughs> about that yeah always i'm always going to be down for more pay but you know you gotta you gotta think about where that money comes from and if it's coming from the state then it's going to be cut from somewhere else so do i need more potholes in my street or you know what do i need what what's gonna what's gonna help me most i guess yeah i was wondering the the question i wanted to ask you because i was thinking the same thing Holcomb said something about over the last four years, they poured $1.6 billion into the school system. Have you noticed any difference because of that $1.6 billion? No, I mean, I know that with our school corporation, we're always doing construction. Um, there, was a, there was a group of, of kids, like there was an, an exceptionally large group of kids that came here I'd say about four years ago, they were just kind of born. And so we've been kind of preparing for that large group of kids by enlarging schools one at a time. Uh-huh. So That's there's always construction going on. Um, I'm getting the usual pay. I mean, it always could be better. Mm-hmm. Teacher pay. You don't get in it for the money, though, I guess. Yeah. What did you think oh. about what he- said about the money following the kid to kind of cut out the middleman at the state and send, you know, kind of keep all the money that 
local? I mean, it kind of does that anyway because the the money that the state provides each each student goes to wherever that school is. So uh -huh. it follows a kid anyway. It does. Yeah. Right on. You got anything else to ask him about that, John? Well, I was wondering, you know, what, why Americans spend so much money um, per kid for education, yet we don't seem to be doing as well as we used to. So do you know, do you have some insight on that? Well, I think there's a, there's a huge teacher shortage. And it's, I think it's just starting now. But it's going to be it's going to be a huge issue coming up in the future. So, I mean, there's there there might be all the money in the world, but unless you get really qualified, interested teachers, then I think that's that's where the issue lies. And I think I think that goes hand in hand with pay. I mean, it's it's tough to be, you know, sixty thousand dollars in debt for a thirty five thousand dollar a year job. But it goes very unappreciated. What yeah, about you have to uh, the, go on, John. On the other stuff they spend money on besides teacher salaries, like because a lot of stuff that is taught in public schools, they don't teach in other countries. Like when I went to school, they they taught me square dancing in gym class. And, yeah, same here. Uh, public schools have swimming pools. Is that is that really necessary? And is that I mean I know that that's what we do, but is that making them better all around people or is that just making them less edge is that is there some sort of kind of trade-off you're you're making them better rounded people and more experienced but you're losing some some educational value that you would have otherwise by doing those other curricular extracurricular things yeah i would agree it's tough it's tough to to figure out you know well here's here's a good example um Last year, there was a there's a there's an alternative school here in Lafayette that if you are struggling at other schools, and this is a public school, if you're struggling, like maybe you're having a hard time getting the right credits or whatever, you can go to this alternative school. Well, last year there were 12 students that graduated from this alternative school, so you think. You know, my, my initial reaction was, I can't believe they're keeping a whole school open, staff with, you know, custodians and principals and teachers and, and you know, all the utility bills and everything for 12 students. But then you got to think, all right, what if they didn't do that for those 12 students? What would, what would happen to those 12 kids? You know, would they just get put into the workforce, you know, without a, without a, you know, that almost sounds just like a classroom. It seems like they just build on a classroom at another school and just have, you know, have those kids stay there and work yeah. on things that way would be a little yeah. bit better than having a whole school. I agree. But, and that's one of the things about, about where I teach that there is a lot of money invested in extracurricular activities, you know, between music and athletics and all, all those things. And it's a lot and but you you think that if it's if it's something that a kid could actually you know find his niche in and grow and just hope that in the future that you know that that really helps them out it's tough because 
you know, you look around, we, you know, we have a new multi-million dollar pool and you look at this thing and you're thinking, man, can that money be used elsewhere? But, you know, if a kid has a great new pool and wants to be a world-class diver and then, you know, have the potential to be an Olympian, then is it worth it? So, you know. Yeah, that's true. They, I, did, I do believe they do need to, to, to have that kind of stuff like music classes and stuff you know Absolutely. Uh, you know it's funny though when i went there you know just a little anecdote you know steve steve teaches at the school we went to uh when we were in high school and they kicked me out of the music classes for you know not cutting my hair and you know i'm blind and they kicked me out of the uh radio and tv classes because i couldn't read the playlist they wouldn't let me just memorize it uh so i ended up in uh debate and arguing classes uh, so, uh, it's glad to see that they're actually making more accommodations for kids, but, you know, like as, as, as the idea of having the, that, that school for, for people who are having problems. So that's, that's good. They're making an effort. It'd be nice if they, you know, watch the money really closely on it. Yeah. You know, as, as far as like, uh, like what kind of degree do you have to have to teach at a high school in Indiana? Well, you have to have a uh, you have to have a degree in education, so like uh, I have a degree in art education, but more importantly, you have to have your um, license to teach. So, uh, I know I know a couple people that went to school, um, got their teaching degrees, but can't pass their can't pass their teaching license test. Like what? What's the test consist of? Like what's the problem with it? I, you know what? I don't know. I mean. I don't know what the problem is, but I, um, yeah, some like that, that occupational licensing kind of thing is a real thing for, you know, I think they ought to make it easier. If somebody's good at what they do and you know, they're not twisted in some way, they ought to make it easier for them to become a teacher. Like here in LA, I think you have to have a BA, you know, to teach at a high school. I don't have a BA, but I teach all the time, you know, right. I, and I, and you know, I know I'm a better music teacher than what I had in high school. So, you know, I think they should make it easier for people who have a skill to teach. Uh, right. And that would, that like, if they didn't have to go through that, you know, and put themselves in debt to get that degree, you know, and then come have a, you know, some sort of standard. I mean, if you can teach, you can teach. And if there's not somebody there to teach it, then they should take whoever, whoever they can get that's decent at the skill to teach it, it seems like. You know, make it easier for people to teach. As long as they're not registered sex offenders. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, if they're not a twisted individual, you know, they, right. as long as they don't have some twisted fucking shit going on with them, you know, they should they should be able to teach. Uh, that would that would be great. Or or even if they had like you know in some cases like say like with swimming or something like that, they got people to volunteer to come in sometime, something like that. I don't know how that would work out. Teachers union probably throw a fit about it, but uh, yeah, you know. So, was there any other topics that he talked about you guys thought was interesting? Or are you done? You you we we good on the school? Yeah. The libertarian guy was saying he wasn't going to have any sort of uh, income tax or property tax. Yeah, I love that theory. Yeah, there's a few states that how many states have done it? Eight or nine have done it. So that that would be great. You know, just uh, a lot of libertarians would say then you could have a larger sales tax then maybe because then you know everybody's paying that. 
and you have people who are, you know, visiting from out of state. So, you know, everybody's contributing to that tax. I, you know, I think when Gary Johnson ran for president, he wanted like a 25% sales tax on everything. But the, what people don't understand is like when like say Coca-Cola uh, makes a Coke, they get taxed on the sugar and all the stuff there. So each one of those levels of, you know, production gets taxed and that's that's kind of crazy too so we all catch that tax so if they got rid of all those taxes and just gave us a uh, a 25 cent uh tax on a coke or for every dollar you know it would uh it would actually lower the price of it as way that they explained it the way i heard it because they would take away so much of the other one that they could do this and like I said, you know, everybody could pay on that same tax. It wouldn't matter, you know, people talk about immigration and stuff. It wouldn't matter if somebody was legal here or not. You know, they, everybody would pay that same tax. You know, <laughs> people go to a Colts game, come, come out, of, uh, out of town to see that they're paying our taxes, you know, mm -hmm. or your taxes there. So that's kind of the, the great idea of it. You know, I think the income tax, when they, when they originally had it come out, it was just supposed to be for the rich. And gradually it just trickled down, you know, to everybody else. And I don't even think, I mean, they, they have an amendment for it or something, you know, to, to, to even be able to have it. Because technically it shouldn't even be a, a lawful tax. Because then we're taxed twice on the same money. You know, when we go, you know, go shop, then our money gets taxed again. So we get doubly taxed on this right. stuff. So fuck All the that double dipping. Yeah, yeah. Dipping. The property tax... Yeah, it just seems terrible to keep, like here in California, it always, it's always going up. I think it does there too. And they say it goes up by two or three percent or one percent or something there every year or something. Well, I think yeah, for residential property of one percent, I believe. Holcomb said that Holcomb was like, "Hey, your we've we've had a freeze on your um, the amount your house gets taxed based on you know on its assessed value." We've we've had a freeze on that for four years, and one of the one of the other guys I don't remember which one it was brought up the fact that you can have your house assessed whenever your property yeah. assessed whenever. Yeah, that was rainwater. Yeah, so yeah, there might be a freeze, but that you're still open to that assessment. Yeah, yeah, so, that's yeah, that's that's their loopholes to to stick it to you. Right. You know, I would rather see something because you know, I mean, I understand they need money for. Um, you know, like say if the sewer lines break or something like that under the road, they need money to fix that. So I would think it'd be cool if they could, you know, if people could voluntarily get a fund that if something busts up in your neighborhood, you could, you know, voluntarily pay it, you know, out of your, uh, would, you know, along with your pro like a property tax uh, or something like that where people could buy into it to, to have it done. So it's already paid for if when something breaks. You know, I think something like that that's more voluntary would be a, a lot easier plan. You know what I mean? It'd be almost like a, a voluntary uh, homeowners association in that sense for that for that neighborhood or for that street. Right. What do you, what do you guys think of something like that? Well, I think the only issue with that is the the crappy neighborhoods are going to get crappier and the nicer neighborhoods are going to get nicer. Yeah, I guess you could say that. You could, uh, I mean, if, but if people aren't being taxed that much, you know, like, like I said, they're already do, taking property tax from people, you know, um, and the sewer is not going to break every year. So, you know, if you take half of what they do, they're taking in property tax and put it into a fund for that neighborhood, 
I think it would add up pretty quick, you know, especially, you know, when a sewer breaks, uh, you know, I guess I could use uh, government workers here. Uh, here in LA, we had, uh, they were, they took out an intersection and they were making a roundabout. It took them close to 10 years to make this damn roundabout. And, you know, there's people out there working on it all the time, you know, and I know they could have got that roundabout done in a couple of weeks if they would have really set their mind to it. You know, if there was any accountability for it, that work would have been done in no time. Absolutely. And those kind of things frustrate me that, you know, to fill a pothole costs thousands of dollars. And really all you need is somebody to come dump some shit in the hole and let it, you know, dry. So I think they waste a lot of money in that sense. They should, they should get paid by the job and not by the hour. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, you know, it's going to cost this much. I mean, and even if they outsourced it, you know, say, which, which one of you construction groups want, says you can do this and see how much you can do it for? Right. You know, um, there's a libertarian uh, guy uh, here, Jeff Hewitt. He was the mayor of a town. And uh, the, the firefighter union tried to get him. They said he, every fire station had to have so many number of fire, uh, fire trucks. And he said, we don't even need that here. It's too small of a town. And he fought with them. And they said, no, you have to have this. So he, 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 he kicked the whole union out and hired a, uh, a private firefighter firm. And I think overall, they said that the firefighters get paid more and just the quality of everything went up. They, and they were still able to buy new trucks at that point. Yeah. It was a really great article on it. So, you know, because, because he, he was able to shop around you know, and like I said, the firefighters were happy with it. Uh, I mean, from the company, obviously, you know, and they had benefits and stuff. So when they, when they do leave it open to private firms, as opposed to this, you know, over overhaul, uh, you know, one all size fits all kind of thing that the government tends to do or monopoly on things. I think that works really well. Right. Anything else? Cause I, no, I like, I, I like that. I liked all the second amendment stuff myself too. We'll hit it. What do you think about open carry or uh, uh, concealed carry? Concealed carry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I'm for expanding gun laws. I think they're that uh, there's too many restrictions on the second amendment. Yeah. I do remember the first time I saw somebody do open carry. Uh, I was in Tucson. And uh, my, our friends, Chris and Jenny went into the, the bank and they were in there a while. And I saw this guy pull up next to us and he had a gun on his side and he went into the bank and I'm thinking, Oh shit. You know, I thought, and then nobody came out 10, 15 minutes. I was like, shit, some shit must be going down in there. And they came out and I said, what happened in there? And they said, you know, they didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And uh, you know, uh, it was, it was, it was funny because then they told me, Oh no, it's open carry. You know, I was like, Oh shit. I, you know, I didn't know that. And so I see it could be startling the first time you see it, but when they say, oh, it will terrify people, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with people. I mean, you know, Indiana, I remember my grandpa always had, uh, you know, he had the, you know, the gun racks in his car, for God's sake. Right. You know, I don't, I don't see, I don't let's see looking at a gun doesn't horrify me. So I think, I think that those, those kind of things are great. Getting rid of those gun laws. How about you, Steve? My, my issue is the, I, I don't see a lot of people um, have open guns out around, but the ones that I do see are just absolutely complete morons. 
<laughs> so, yeah, there is a lot of idiots in the gun movement that don't do it any fucking good. Right. That's for sure. Right. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's my, it's my old adage that just because you can doesn't mean you always should. Yeah, that's true. So. Yeah, a lot of people, they, they go out of their way just to be, I don't know, and, and, and you know, I don't mind it if somebody's doing stuff responsibly, but a lot of people don't do a lot of responsible shit and aren't terribly, they don't, they don't help the cause whatsoever. Exactly. Now, my wife has a carry conceal license. Does so, she? And so do both my sons. Yeah. So, and she carries, she carries a gun with what her. What kind of piece she got? She's got, she's got a couple actually. She has nice. a, a 38 special and a, like a small 25. She yeah. The purse. We should get her on the podcast to talk about her guns. Right. <laughs> so the, the purpose of the second amendment though, is isn't, wasn't really for self-protection or hunting. It was, it was to make people armed uh, to keep their own government in check. And so that's the purpose of the second amendment. The second amendment is to be able to shoot the police you know, be able to shoot a crooked politician here and there. That's the purpose of it. And so, yeah. um, you know, having a, a gun to carry and having a small pistol is great. But the, the trouble is that the average police force is armed like a military unit. They're not really yeah. a peacekeeping force. You know, there's, I saw this, like, look like a tank and in the parking lot of, uh, the West Lafayette police station. I don't know if they're going to use that to a bazooka to keep Purdue students from smoking marijuana, but <laughs> I don't know why they need something like that. But as a yeah. citizen, I think we need to have at least one up on the government. So that's why yeah. you know, I, I think that we need to have more because the, what's supposed to be a community keep a uh, peacekeeping force is really armed like a military occupying know? force. Yeah. They're more of yeah. an occupying force. They just, you know, they just happen to be loyalists to the government. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do look at it as self-protection, too. But, yeah, that I mean, the most important thing is to protect yourself against a tyrannical government, you know, because that 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 can do the most damage. So how so, do you how do you feel about when like what happened in Michigan when you have these guys that are armed with rifles showing up at a public building? I don't have a problem with it. If they're not aiming it at people and shit like that, I, I saw some of the people did behave poorly. Right. You know, uh, you know, they're up screaming at cops. I, I mean, it does say to peacefully assemble. It doesn't say to go up and antagonize the shit out of cops and scream in their face. I, I, it's funny because the media, you know, they, they treated that horribly uh, or correctly and scream, talking about the people being hostile. But, you know, a lot of the stuff when, when it happened from more left protests, you know, they let them off the hook a lot. I think if you're acting like a dick at a protest, you, you know, then they should call it, call you out on it. It's, it's to peacefully protest. But I do feel people should take guns. I mean, I think that's the, that's the right that protects the rest of them. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's most important that they act extremely uh, uh, responsible with them. Because it is a responsibility to, to carry that shit around. You know, it's not it's not a toy. You know, too many people get out there and having a good old time and shit. It's not about having a good old time. You know, so that's the way I see that. How so? 
I John had talked to me a little bit about like the the commerce clause. How do they? What what? I don't even really know what the hell that is. So how do they use that against guns? So I mean, every part of the Constitution, if you read it, every part, everything that the government does, there has to be something in the Constitution that gives them that power. And so you know, general police powers go with the state. So um, and anything that's not specifically mentioned in the Constitution those powers are left to the states. So the states are left to regulate those things. Uh, the trouble is a lot, of, a lot of the federal government uses their, the authority to say, oh, that's related to commerce because in article one of the constitution, it says that the federal government has the power to regulate commerce. And so they say, well, you know, somebody having a handgun that relates to commerce, therefore the federal government can get involved and start regulating it. Um, so ostensibly, you know, when, you know, you have a gripe about, you know, you know, a, a, someone goes into a school and starts shooting people up and people get killed. I think that's an issue relating to police power. And that's an issue that's left for the states to say, well, under the commerce clause, the federal government decides, uh, issues of gun control. I, I, th I mean, I know that, you know, the Supreme Court says that you can do that. Um, and I'm not saying the Supreme Court would do anything wrong in that regard, but uh, it just seems a little bit, uh, it seems like if they're complaining about um, how the cost of guns and that sort of thing, that that would relate to the federal government. But when you're talking about police power and safety and that sort of thing, it should be left to the states. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't understand. That's how they how they used it. I'd heard that mentioned, but it's kind of clueless on it. Yeah, like like say that kid that shot that guy in Kenosha. He came from across the border. How, would that be something like how you're talking about because he came from another state? No, I, I mean it would be. I mean, so the federal government would have something in that regard because it would be between states. So they may have uh -huh. to that, but they're not. They they don't rely on. You know, when they pass gun, they pass federal gun laws, they don't rely on people going across the state. They just say, this is what the law is because we uh -huh. have to do that because it affects commerce. Uh -huh. Okay. You know, people get shot and then they have to have funerals and then that, you know, may change the cost <laughs> of materials. Who knows? But that, that's their justification for shit. The reality is that you can, you can make anything under commerce. Like anything at all. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. the, first, the first step in that direction was when some guy was uh, growing wheat in his own field and eating it, making it into flour, turning it into bread and eating it. And the federal government started regulating it. And they said, well, how is what I'm growing on my land, how is that relating to commerce? And they said, well, you know, by eating your own food, you're not buying it from somebody else. It affects commerce and therefore we can regulate it. So Oh man, that is the most fucked up thing I've ever heard of. That was the first step, but yeah, they it's pretty expansive now. <laughs> Fuck, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> that's fucking nuts, man. Oh Jesus, what was that case? Was that did that go to the Supreme Court? Uh, yeah, it is. I can't remember the name of it right now, but Fuck. I remember reading in law school and think, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, you can't even grow your own goddamn food without the government sticking it to you. How much Shit. time, Steve? Are you able to see? Seven minutes. All right, cool. Um, I guess, uh, I guess, was there anything else you had to say about that or anything else Rainwater had to say or any of the other guys? Nope. 
I thought the I thought Rainwater's la, uh, last statement when he started talking about the Constitution was a great way for him to end. Uh, I would have liked it if he could have got the last spot because I uh, uh, the doctor guy, the Democrat, he uh, he uh, he did a really nice debate technique as he used his uh, uh, his opponent's words, you know. So he 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 quoted the Constitution after that. I think he did, as much as I disagreed with him in general, he he uh, he did throw that out there well. That was a yeah. great debate technique, uh, but uh, I still stand by the fact that uh, Rainwater really—he's the one who's going to stick to the Constitution. I don't trust a Democrat to do that whatsoever, you, though. Though he made—he made a nice play on it there. Yeah. So oh, it was uh, good. I, I mean, if it's good for the libertarians, it seems like that. Well, at least I read that Holcomb and Rainwater were kind of debating each other, like yeah. Holcomb saw him as a threat and, and that he was taking votes away from the Republicans. So I, I thought I saw that as a positive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm real. I'm really hopeful, man. I've seen some good poll numbers. I'm, I, it, does, it seems like, uh, I mean, he's got a lot of following in Southern Indiana. I know I don't, I, everybody I've asked up there where you guys are in Tippecanoe County. I haven't, I haven't heard a lot from people up there. So I was hoping, uh, I was hoping they'd hit up that area a little bit more, uh, with some uh, advertising. Have you guys seen any advertising? I haven't seen any. No. no. Yeah, they must be they must be uh, targeting. They must feel it's too Trumpy over there or something. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So, well, let's uh, let's wind it up there. And uh, yeah, if you guys don't have anything else to say, we'll wind it up here, and we can see you on the next episode of the uh, Liberty Blues. I almost said my old podcast, the Liberty Blues. All right, thank you very much. See you next time.